Radio Influence. The future is now. This is Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. A look inside the biggest and most controversial news stories you need to know now. One of the country's most relied upon law enforcement analysts, Vincent Hill. Good evening and welcome to Beyond the Badge. Of course, I am your host, Vincent Hill, and thank you for joining me tonight right here on RadioInfluence.com. Today is Tuesday, February the 20th, and we are one day from a week removed from the latest mass shooting which took place at a school, a high school down in Parkland, Florida. And of course, if you have not been living under a rock, you've heard about this. We're still hearing about this one week later. And of course, the big debate is what it always is when these mass shootings occur, gun control. So I want to talk about that in tonight's show. There's so much to cover. Uh, there's a spike in police police deaths. I, I touched on that last week, but I want to read a little bit of an article the FBI put out. Uh, Chris Rock has a new uh, Netflix comedy show called, uh, I believe it's called Tambourine. Uh, and I watched the preview for it and you know, he was talking about how difficult it is to raise a black kid in this society. So I took that as I really didn't want to watch that because I knew it would be one sided and target police, uh, which it did. And I want to discuss some of the things or one very important thing he said in that show and to show you how one sided not only was the uh, comedy special, but how one sided this narrative that we've been hearing is and how brainwashed it has people uh, in this society today. But of course, uh, first I want to touch on the school shooting that happened in Florida. Uh, But before I dive into that, uh, this Friday I'm flying up to New York. I got a chance to host a show on the Law and Crime Network. And if you don't know what the Law and Crime Network is, it's backed by Dan Abrams, who's pretty famous guy. He was around during the OJ trial and he was on, you know, a lot of these crime shows up throughout the years. And he has a very uh, famous show on now called Live PD, which airs on A&E on Fridays and Saturdays. But he also has a network called Law and Crime Network, and they're looking for a host. And I don't know if this is a permanent host role, you know, a once a week, twice a week, once a month. I don't know. Uh, But, you know, I've always for the last few years have been gearing myself and preparing myself in a lot of ways to be able to say, hey, I host a show. And I got the call this morning. They want me in New York, 12 o'clock. I'll be on the air from 12 to 2. Again, I don't know what it holds. All I can do is pray that it goes well and If you believe in the power of prayer, I ask that you pray for me uh, because this could be pretty huge for this little skinny kid from Columbia, South Carolina, who, you know, 20 or 30 years ago, never would have thought he would have a podcast, never would have thought that Fox News would be having him on to talk about all of these cases, never would have thought that I could have the potential to host a very important show on a uh, pretty solid network. And I believe if I'm not mistaken, Long Crime Network is about to get picked up by A&E. And we all know A&E. It has the first 48, has all of these crime shows. It has live PD. 
So if it gets picked up by uh, A&E, it, be, it will be very huge, not only for law and crime, but if I'm hosting, of course, it will be very huge for me. So to say I'm nervous is an understatement, but, you know, I, I think I excel more at when I'm nervous, when that camera is about to go live. And then once that red light comes on, as you know, I'm down to business, uh, you know, so that's this Friday from 12 to 2. I'll be up in New York. Apparently, I got to take my coat. Uh, I think the high that day is going to be 45, but here in Atlanta, I think it's going to be about 75. So I'll fly up in the morning, dress for winter, and I'll fly back that evening uh, ready to put some shorts on. All right, I want to dive right into this this Florida school shooting. And first, I've never been one to politicize any tragedy, especially right after it happens. So I first want to say my, my thoughts, my prayers are definitely with those 17 families who lost loved ones and those families that still have loved ones that are recovering from this shooting. Uh, but unfortunately, that's not how the mass media works. You know, the shooting occurred on Wednesday. By Wednesday night, we were already hearing these reports of how we need better gun control. But let's just back it up. So the school shooting happened at a school, Parkland, Florida. I can't think of the name of the high school right now. Basically, a former student who had been expelled uh, somehow got into the school. And uh, the report is he had an AR-15, shot a bunch of people, 17 people died. Surprisingly, he was captured about an hour later. He was not shot by police. Um and I say surprisingly just because the way he was armed and, you know, the whole gas mask and all of this stuff, it appeared to me that his intent was to get into a shootout with police. But for some reason, as he's running out of the school to escape uh, with the other students, the current students, uh, he dropped he shot one other person, dropped his gun and continued to run and police caught up to him. So thankfully, we have this individual, this Nicholas Cruz, who is here not only to stand trial for what he did, but to try to give better insight. So of course, before families could mourn and lay their family members to rest or even grasp what happened, uh, you had those on the left who immediately started talking gun control, uh, especially as it relates to mental illness, because they say all the signs were there. He had been expelled from school. Police had been called to his house. He posted stuff on social media about guns and dead animals and things of that nature. And all of that is true. But when you look at everything separately or even holistically, when you look at the totality of everything, A... Who doesn't live vicariously through social media at some form or another, right? So just because someone posts a picture of a gun on social media or them at the range on social media doesn't mean they're going to go out and commit a mass shooting. I frequently post my targets or pictures of myself at the gun range on my Facebook or on my Twitter when I go to the gun range. It doesn't mean I'm going to go out and shoot 30 people, killing 17. It doesn't mean that. Now, the whole dead animal thing, okay, that can be argued to say, well, people post pictures of 
dead deers they just shot. People post pictures of dead beers, uh, bears they just shot. It doesn't make them a mass shooter. Well, he posted on Facebook that he wanted to be a professional school shooter. And the best answer I can give, my son said it best uh, this past Wednesday night when I was waiting to go live on Tucker uh, Carson on Fox. And I'm sitting in the green room and my son said something that hit home and it made perfect sense. He said, Dad, listen. He said, kids at my school joke about that stuff all or should I say they say that stuff all the time. Oh, I'm going to come blow the school up because such and such said this. Oh, I'm going to shoot Ms. Johnson because she gave me an F on my report card. And all of the students, for the most part, just laugh it off. They consider it a joke. No one takes things like that seriously. So, yes, you can say the FBI was investigating this guy. You can Now there's a report that says Child Protective Services went out to the house when he was 18 and they saw him fit. Uh, where he didn't need mental health. Uh, I guess he had posted a video of himself cutting his arms on Snapchat. Now, how you say someone doesn't need mental health from that, mm, I don't know. But would that have stopped this shooting? So let's say that he does get arrested, or not arrested, but placed into a psychiatric facility for X amount of time, which I believe there was one report that said he did. Would this have stopped the shooting? Would this have prevented him from buying a gun? And we can have this gun debate, this gun law debate until we're all blue in the face, until we beat that dead horse back to life. But I say no. And here's why. Current gun laws ask those questions. Have you been Deemed mentally incapable, mentally incompetent. And it's a yes, no question. So the majority of the people who really want to buy a gun are not going to say yes. They're not going to say yes. And if that person says no, there is nothing that allows the gun shop to call every psychiatric facility in that county or in that state to say, hey, Has Nicholas Cruz ever been a patient at your facility? If you don't believe me, think of someone you know best. It could be your wife, your husband, brother, sister, mother, father. I dare you to try to call their doctor and say, hey, when is the last time my loved one was there and what were they treated for? They're going to tell you kick rocks because there's certain laws called the HIPAA law that prevents third parties from getting sensitive classified if you will, information about someone's medical history to include mental illness. That's the law. You may agree with it. You may not. So just because, again, he posted something on Facebook or on Instagram, pictures of his guns. He said he wanted to be a school shooter. He posted pictures of dead animals. DHS went to the house and said he was mentally stable and didn't need psychiatric help. Again, I don't to me that if you're cutting yourself, that's a sign that something's wrong with because not a lot of people just want to cut themselves. It doesn't feel good. So nothing that we have on the books right now or nothing, quite frankly, that we put on the books. And I'll get to that would have prevented this mass shooting. 
And I want you to think about this. Back in 2001, it was this date called September 11th. And there were these group of people who hijacked these things called planes and they flew them into two buildings and the buildings collapsed and a bunch of people died. Thousands of people died. Thousands of people died at one time. And then what did we do? We came up with this thing called the TSA where at the airports, okay, we're going to screen you. We're going to make you take off your shoes. You can't take your orange juice back there if it's over two ga- uh, two two ounces. We're going to do this. You can't take these nail clippers on there because you could clip people to death. We did all of these things to prevent the next terror attack from taking place in the air. And what happened? Uh, we don't need a plane. I'll just drive a truck into a building with a bunch of people with a bomb attached to it. Oh, I don't need a truck with a bomb. I'll just rent a, a, a truck and go to a park in New York City and mow over 16, 17 people. My point is, if the intent is there, no law is going to stop it. Think about this. The crime of murder is illegal in this country. It's even talked about in the Bible way back when. Thou shall not kill. It's one of the Ten Commandments. It's illegal. Apparently, it's unethical because you can't get to heaven if you do it. But yet in this country, how many people are murdered every day? Whether it's a gun, knife, strangulation, you name it. How many people are murdered every day? So just because there's a law in place, does it stop people from killing people? Absolutely not. So let's just say, for argument's sake, that we come up with this law that says, yes, these mental health facilities can now report to every known gun range or that there's some database that says, yes, this person was seen for mental health issues. Is it going to stop them from doing what they want to do? Will it stop them from getting an AR-15? Yes. Would it stop them from getting a 9mm? Yes. But... If I look at a city like Chicago where 700 people died last year as the, a result of guns that weren't purchased in a gun store, what's to stop Nicholas Cruz? Oh, I can't buy it here? No problem. I'll just go down to the back alley, see my boy Pookie and them, tell them what I need. Ten minutes later, I got what I need, and I'm still going to go out and shoot 30 people. I had this debate with someone about AR-15s and like no one needs AR-15s and they're made to kill people. But my response to that was any gun from a 22, 380, 9mm, AR-15, M16, 6 Sauer, Glock, Smith & Wesson, any gun that has a bullet was designed to kill people. Yeah, are there some guns that are used specifically for hunting? Absolutely. You definitely don't want to go deer hunting with a twenty-two. But it's not the gun that kills, it's the bullet. So the same mass shooting could have happened if Nicholas Cruz went in there with four, five, nine millimeters with extended magazines. And if you know what you're doing, you could probably convert that into... An automatic. You can get a Tech 9, which people have forgotten about, but that's a fully automatic 9mm weapon. And their response was, well, it won't have the same killing power as an AR-15. 
Absolutely it will. Ask people that have died by getting shot by a twenty-two. Ask people that have died getting shot by a thirty-eight, or a nine millimeter, or a forty cal. Absolutely it will. Bullets are designed to kill. That's the only thing they were ever designed for. And it dates back to Winchester. It dates back to the very first guns. They weren't designed for you to shoot someone and they just look at you and you guys go eat dinner later. No, no. They were designed to kill. So any gun, any bullet can and will if it hits the right place or if you bleed out, you can't get help fast enough. It will kill you. So we ban these guns. We take everyone's Second Amendment right away. Or you ban AR-15s. And again, I think people will just get it on the street. But if we start taking guns away from law-abiding citizens, who's going to be there to stop these mass shooters? Now, I shared the story where my son and I were in the Sprint store just before Christmas, and the one time I left my pistol was the one time the store got robbed at gunpoint. Imagine the difference had I been armed. I would have stopped that robbery. I'll take it even a step further. If you look at Sulphur Springs, Texas, which wasn't really that far ago, the mass shooting at the church, who was it that stopped this individual? Because you have to think, police have to get dispatch. They have to gather information. They have to respond. And by the time all of this is going on, more and more and more innocent people are dying. But if you think back to Sulphur Springs, Texas, it was two country boys who were law-abiding citizens who had concealed carry permits, who were armed, who stopped this shooter. Because just because he was done shooting at the church doesn't mean he was done shooting. We don't know if he was going somewhere else maybe to the mother-in-law's house once he found out she wasn't in the church. We don't know because she was the intended target, the mother-in-law. So for all we know, this guy could have been driving over to the mother-in-law's house. But it was two armed citizens who stopped the shooter. So on yesterday, President Trump said he's willing to consider a gun control proposal, which was actually introduced last year to strengthen Strengthen the federal background check system, right? Which would include uh, improved reporting of criminal offenses. And that was a huge gap in the shooting in Sulphur Springs, Texas, where the individual was in the Air Force. He got charged with domestic violence, which means you can't carry a gun. But somehow the FBI did not uh, put that out to the locals and other information uh, to the national instant background check. So I assume that other information could possibly relate to mental health issues, but that's easier said than done. Again, HIPAA has been in place forever. It's not going to be easy to be able to get those records as people would suspect. But, okay, so we we put this law into effect, and there's already a law that says if you're a convicted felon, you can't own uh, firearms. So, A, I don't see what the first part of that law is going to do. And secondly, this other information, I assume, again, it's mental health issues. So, that goes back to what I said at the start of the show. If someone wants to do it, they'll do it. If Nicholas Cruz knew he couldn't purchase a gun at a gun store, what would have stopped him from 
going online to Craigslist and buying it from a private citizen who wouldn't have asked Nicholas Cruz, hey, man, do you go on social media and post pictures? Hey, man, have you cut yourself on the arm before, which could be a sign that you're crazy? No, a private citizen is going to say, oh, you got the four or $500? Sure, man, I'll sell it to you. Meet me at such and such. Or what would stop him from going to a gun show where a lot of gun shows still don't do background checks? Or what would stop him from going to Pookie and them in the back alley to get this gun? Nothing would have stopped it if that was the intent. So my bigger point, we can talk gun laws until we're blue in the face. We can talk about, oh, we need stricter background checks, but we have the background checks. And think about this. So this law that was brought up last year says reporting of criminal offenses. Think about this. What mass shooter besides the guy in Sulphur Springs who had been convicted of domestic violence? What mass shooter have we known that had criminal offenses that were felonies that prevented them from buying a weapon? None of them. None of them. You look at Pulse. You look at San Bernardino. You look at all of these other mass shootings. They didn't have criminal backgrounds. So that goes to my point. What is changing the law going to do to prevent these shootings? Murder is illegal. It happens every day in this country. Rape is illegal. Every 30 seconds, a young lady in this country is getting raped. Burglary is illegal. Every 20 seconds, a house in this country is broken into. So we can talk laws. We can talk about reform. We can talk about taking guns, but it doesn't stop anything. Here is what I believe we need to talk about. Now, think about this, especially if you have kids or if you remember your high school days. Like for me, it's been 26, 27 years since I've been in high school. So it's been quite a a while. But I remember these things like tornado drills, fire drills, things of that nature. But since 1999 and this thing called Columbine, how many mass shootings have we had? But yet, every other day in this country, we'll have a fire drill. Hey, kids, here's what you do when you hear this fire alarm. You run to that side of the parking lot. You run to that side of the parking lot. You wear this orange vest to make sure everyone's out of the school. But since 1999, we've had mass shootings in our school, but we're not teaching our kids how to prepare, how to react, and what to do to keep yourself Safe. Okay, we tell them close the door. All right, that's great. Yeah, if someone's like coming down the hall and they're shooting, yeah, close the door, barricade yourself. But are we teaching them things to look for? Are we teaching them to see something, say something? Because this guy was a former student. He had an AR-15, I assume. I haven't seen the, the surveillance footage yet, but I assume he didn't carry that in in a regular backpack, right? And... There were other witnesses who gave accounts to the media who said they were former students who were just happened to be hanging out at the school. So 
does the school take a little fault in this? Like, why would you allow former students who don't go there anymore to just hang out at the school inside the school? You don't know what their intentions are. You don't know if they're armed. You don't know if they're up there to cause trouble. You don't know if they're up there to sell drugs. You don't know if they're up there to shoot anybody. So we need to start teaching our kids, especially as parents who care about their kids, because I don't worry if the school calls and says my son got suspended or I don't care if I don't worry if my son's teacher emails me and said, hey, he's failing in a class because he can make that up. The one thing he can't make up and I'll never get back is his life. So why are we not teaching our kids? This is what you do. This is what you look for. If someone is on social media, then I need to know about it because, okay, you don't want to be known as the snitch. I'll handle it. I'll call the principal of the school and say, hey, little Bobby posted this on his social media. I think you should talk to little Bobby in the presence of law enforcement and in the presence of his parents. So his parents know what he's doing because little Bobby, although most kids are laughing at it, could be the next Nicholas Cruz. Because these laws, whatever law we pass, I don't care what the law is. I don't care if it says you can only buy one gun a month. One gun is all I need to kill a bunch of people. Because if I catch someone at a soft target like a school, and chances are they're not armed, and chances are the school resource officer is way in the other building and it's still going to take him minutes to get there, I can walk into a classroom and kill 15 people. Or if I have an extended magazine, I can kill more and then reload and kill more before they can even get away. I don't need an AR-15 for it. I don't need an AK-47 for it. I just need a gun with a bullet in the intent to kill, and I can carry that out. So to me, I would much rather spend my time teaching my son, like, listen, son, this is what you do. This is your escape route. Know your escape routes. And my son watches me more than I know sometimes because he even tells me that I'm doing certain things, like sitting a certain way at a restaurant, sitting a certain way when we go somewhere. So if he's watching, that tells me he's learning too. But we need to teach every child that because we don't know when the next mass shooting is going to be at a school. We don't know what school. We don't know what state. We don't know the intent. We don't know the motive. But what we do know, and history has proven it because we've been talking about this since 1999 and we've had eight this year, history has proven that it will happen again. And we'll be right back to the drawing board of talking about how we need gun reform. But until we start talking about how to protect yourself, we're still going to have, unfortunately, mass numbers of people dying during these mass shootings. Now, I'm not a rocket science, but again, if it's been happening since 99. It's still happening. And every time we've had the same conversation. Murder, again, is illegal, but 
under the sound of my voice right now, someone is being killed somewhere in this country. Quite frankly, several people are being killed right now in this country, which is known as murder. The intent's there. The law will not stop it. That's the bottom line. You can agree with it. You can disagree with it. If you disagree, please share your input on my Twitter at Vincent Hill TV. But statistics have shown us gun laws. We already have those background checks. We already have those. I don't care what you do. DNA, fingerprint, retinal scan. It's not going to stop anything. Preparation reduces casualty. Let me say it again. Preparation reduces casualties. Now, I want to switch gears, but I want to tie this gun control debate into it. A Chicago police commander this past Tuesday last week became the 12th. We're up to a dozen. If my math is right, 12 is a dozen. The 12th law enforcement officer killed in the line of duty this year while he was chasing down a repeat felon, felon, felon. The gun laws say if you're a felon, you can't have a gun. This police commander was chasing down a repeat felon when he was shot and killed by this individual. So again, it goes back to what I said. I don't care what law you pass. People will get guns. People will get guns. And 600, 700 people killed in Chicago by guns. Damn it, that's a mass shooting in my opinion. Did it happen all at once? No, but that's a huge number. So to me, that's a mass shooting as well. So the FBI says that 46 law enforcement officers were killed by criminals last year in 66 and 2016. 66 police officers killed in 2016, but yet no one's having these conversations of how do we keep our police safe? You know, the same people that would be rushing to these mass shootings. How do we keep police safe? Is there an epidemic of police being killed in this country? Why is there this great spike of police being killed in this country? And I, I think there's there's many reasons. A, people don't want to go back to jail and... You know, if they get caught, that's what's going to happen. But B, and this is my opinion and my opinion only, I think it's the the narrative that police are evil and people care a lot less, or should I say they don't care about something they see as evil. Like, I don't care about the devil. He's evil. That's what the Bible tells me. So it's not like I'm like, man, I wonder what the devil's up to now. He and I should go kick it. Yeah, I need to talk to him a little bit. I don't care about the devil because he's evil. Satan is evil. So anytime you, you're you told by politicians, by family, by whoever, that law enforcement is inherently evil, it lessens the value of on that individual, i.e. law enforcement, it lessens the value on their life. Prime example. And now you can't even watch a sporting event, a late night talk show, 
or anything without it being political and without it being about police and all of this other stuff. You know what? If I'm watching a basketball, damn it, basketball game, damn it, I just want to see you shoot. I want to see you dunk. That's it. If I'm watching a football game, I just want to and see some touchdowns. That's it. I don't want to hear you talk your political narrative, your false narrative in my ear. And I mentioned at the top of the show, uh, Chris Rock and he's his new Netflix special called Tambourine. So his his very first, if you want to call it a joke, I don't. His very first line in this Netflix special is you'd think every once in a while the cops would shoot a white kid just to make it look good. Now, I've been a fan of Chris Rock way back in the day from I'm going to get you sucker to Nino Brown when he played a recovering crackhead Pookie and it just be calling me, man, it be calling me. But I have lost all respect for Chris Rock. Because, A, that's not funny, and B, it just shows how ignorant and how brainwashed this society is. It's that false narrative that the left, the liberals, keep pushing for political reasons, no other reason but political, to get back into the White House. And and I, I think Malcolm X said it best way back in 1963, and you'd be surprised that this came from... Malcolm X, considering how most people view him. But he said that the white liberal is the black person's worst enemy because they have perfected the art of posing as the black person's friend and benefactor. And by winning their friendship and support of black people, the white liberals able to use black people as pawns and weapons in their political football game. Their political football game. Now, I don't want to politicize anything, but if you look at a comedian who's been in the game for years, now all of a sudden saying, well, it'd be great if white white police officers shot white kids every once in a while to make it look good. That is a political agenda. Everything Hollywood is doing right now From the Oscars, when people bash the Republicans, or they bash President Trump, or they bash something they don't agree with. It's all political to get everyone to say, oh, this person, I should vote for this person because they have my agenda at heart. I should vote for this person because they said, i.e. Hillary Clinton, that yes, black lives do matter. But what she forgot to tell you is when she said Robert Byrd was one of her biggest role models and her idol, he was a card-carrying Ku Klux Klan member who on Fox News said all niggers have issues. His words, not mine, and he said it on live TV. But that's her role model. But yet, since she's a liberal, it goes back to what Malcolm X said. They trick you into believing their agenda for their political football game, not yours. Think about it. Obama was in office for eight years. And what has changed for black America? I can tell you what changed for a guy who thinks he's a girl. Now he can go into the girl's restroom. That's what changed. 
But what has changed for black America? So everyone is so brainwashed into this narrative that police just go out, they kill black people in the black community that, man, it'd be nice if they killed a white kid every once in a while and make it look good. Well, they have. This year, 2018, 30 white males have been killed by police in one form or the other, shooting, tasing, use of force, you name it. But Chris Rock doesn't know those 30 names. CNN doesn't know those 30 names. Hillary Clinton doesn't know those 30 names. Black Lives Matter don't know those 30 names. Oh, and by the way, Chris Rock, yeah, police do shoot white kids every once in a while because go ask the family of Dylan Taylor. Yes, I've mentioned his name before, but you do it. Go on YouTube. Look up the shooting death of Dylan Taylor, who was a unarmed 19-year-old white male who police responded to what they believed was a crime of someone with a gun. And in that video, you can see movements that could be construed as Dylan Taylor was reaching for something in his waistband. And go ask his family, why don't police shoot white people? Because you want to argue and say that the images of Michael Brown being on the ground after he was shot were disturbing? Go watch Dylan Taylor be shot and watch him bleed out on body cam. And let's talk disturbing. And then, Chris Rock, come back to me and say, all right, Vince, maybe you were right. Maybe they do shoot white kids just to make it look good. They're not shooting white kids or black kids to make it look good. You think 30 white males males have been killed by police this year to make it look good? I would argue that police were responding to a crime, and at some point, the situation went from zero to, uh-oh, life or death situation. Usually it happens in about 0.3 seconds. It doesn't just, for the most part, you don't just show up and, oh, I got to shoot this individual. It could be if the individual's armed with the gun and you see that he's armed with the gun and boom, you have to fire. But for the most part, situations that result in deadly force escalate to deadly force. So those 30 white males that were killed by police who no one knows their names, were police doing that just to make it look good? Or were they acting in the line of duty and they had to use deadly force? So I'm so tired of all of these comedians, these actors, these late night hosts, all of these people in Hollywood who should stick to what they know, tell jokes. Go play a crackhead in New Jack City too. Go do another movie. Stick to what you know. If you play basketball, shoot a three-pointer. You want to make me happy? Shoot a half-court shot. But don't talk about things you don't know because of a false narrative. That is what is so wrong with this country right now that we can't even see it. Just like What's wrong with this country now is half the people think we need gun reform and gun control. A gun is a gun and a bullet is a bullet. The gun doesn't kill you, the bullet does. So you take away someone's AR-15, they're still going to do a mass shooting one way or the other. When the planes hit the World Trade Center, oh, I don't need a plane now because I know you're looking for it, but you're not looking for this truck I just rented. (laughs) that I'm going to go run 
over 30 people walking down the street. It didn't stop terrorists when we put all these federal laws in and these federal agencies. And since 1999, nothing has stopped mass shootings and nothing will. But preparation, preparation reduces casualties. Preparation reduces casualties. Well, enough about my soapbox, because believe me, I can go on and on and on. But it's time now for our 10-7 segment. And I want to honor Commander Paul R. Bauer, Chicago Police Department, Chicago, Illinois. And he kind of got overlooked because of the mass shooting. But his end of watch, well, he got overlooked because it doesn't fit mainstream media narrative. But anyway... His end of watch was Tuesday, February 13th of 2018. Commander Paul Bauer was shot and killed while attempting to arrest a subject who had just run from other officers near the James R. Thompson Center, a state government office building. Other officers had attempted to conduct a subject stop on the man in connection with a shooting. Imagine that that had occurred several days earlier. The subject fled from the officers. Commander Bauer who was wearing a suit and in the area for a meeting, observed the subject at the government building and attempted to stop him in a stairwell. The subject opened fire, killing Commander Bauer. Subject was taken into custody moments later. Commander Bauer had served with the Chicago Police Department for 32 years and served as commander of the 18th District. He is survived by his wife and daughter. Again, gun control. We need stricter background checks. Felons shouldn't be able to get them. Well, that's already the gun control law. But did that stop this individual from shooting Commander Paul Bauer? No, it didn't. We need to start thinking other things besides the same old conversation. All right. I want to thank you for listening this week. Again, I'm in New York Friday. Hopefully good things, big things coming out of that. And I will see you Right here next week, same time, RadioInfluence.com. Good night. To continue the conversation, get updates on the show, and to find out when you can see him on television, follow Vincent on Twitter at Vincent Hill TV. That's at Vincent Hill TV. This has been Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. This is an Ian Beckles flavor in your ear quick fix on Radio Influence. When I hear that an 18-year-old boy can purchase an AR-15 in Florida legally, then there's something wrong with the system. Now, if you think that they should be able to, the only people that should be offended by that are 18-year-old boys. If you're 40 and you think that an 18-year-old boy should be able to buy an AR-15, I think you got to check yourself. People that support gun rights, I'm okay with it, but you have to you have to relax a little bit sometimes because that rule doesn't help anybody. Mental illness plays a part in it as well because this kid had, you know, the police were called 39 times to this kid's house since 2010. He got expelled from school. He's posting things on YouTube that had to be taken off. And he still was able to go buy an AR-15. By the way, he has to wait till he's 21 to buy a handgun. But he can buy something that can kill numerous people in one minute. Now, that doesn't make any sense. I don't care what side you're on. It doesn't matter. You can find Ian Beckles Flavor in Your Ear on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and RadioInfluence.com.